difference between what it means to be good when you're trying to be epic. Uh, no, you don't gotta believe in me. Nothing can stop me. I already said it. I'm taking everything they stole from us. Yeah. You got your problems, I'm a whole nother. I'm giving people something to believe in. I'm a show them freedom like a boat. Welcome, everyone, to its last call. Last call with the alcohol only on it is Blue Wire Hustle Network. And uh, show me on the line, it's been here. Well, when Warriors Boxing usually signs somebody, you might not have heard of him yet, but as yet, he is, they have their, always they seem to have their eyes on future talent, whether it's David Morrell, whether it's Jamal James, whether it was even a guy that nobody ever heard of in Christoph Galaki. This man here might be the next big thing. Ranked number 12 by the WBA. I give you all the way from Compostela, Mexico. I give you it is with his uh, advisor manager, Aldo Mir. Armando Jose Resendez. Uh, Armando, first of all, greetings on the show. Uh, big question here. Why Warriors Boxing? Why did you select them to help you guide your career going forward? Eh, Armando, lo primero que todo sería preguntarte por qué escogiste a Warriors Boxing, por qué lo seleccionaste a Warriors Boxing para que te ayuden a mover tu carrera hacia adelante. Pues eh, creo yo que lo, lo principal es que eh, tienen eh, buenos, buenos planes. La verdad que fue una, una oferta muy buena la que nos hicieron. Eh, creemos y creemos que es la, la correcta y pues por eso... Eh, nos gustó mucho Warriors Boxing y, y este eh, Boxing Major League. Okay, eh, so we really like the plans that they have for me. So they describe us uh, their experience uh, moving uh, boxers of my level to the star level, and that was that was what we liked about it. So we would like to show other people that we are ready for uh, big things and we like the plans that Boxing Major League and Warren Boxing have for me. Let's start with another big, I guess, big uh, part. They have a TV deal. It's, I know every fighter is looking for that. They want to be able to fight on TV, get paid because if you're fighting on TV, you get paid a lot more money. How much does that help for both you, Armando, and for you, although that they can get you on TV, whether it's on the PBC, whether it's on the World Boxing Super Series, that they have, you know, you know, they can get you paid fights that are a lot more that people can watch and that people know exactly that can help build a fan base. So, Armando, ¿cuánto significa para, para uh -huh. ti y para mí eh, que eh, Warner Boxing tenga conexiones con la televisión americana? que ya puede ser la super serie de boxeo o el torneo Mohamed Ali o en PBC y tú vas a estar peleando ahí, que sé que significa para ti que no solo vas a ganar dinero sino que vas a estar a la vista de una audiencia que, que sigue boxeo y que es grandísimo No pues este pues significa mucho, es yo creo que una de las cosas que, que nos que nos gusta mucho a los deportistas ¿no? que estén viendo nuestro trabajo, que la gente este aprecie eh, nuestro boxeo y este la verdad pues yo creo que a mí, a, me gusta mucho esa idea de, de estar en la televisión americana y, y pues eh, emocionados emocionados por eso uh, I'm very excited 
for the opportunity to be uh, on American TV. It could be of Fox or BBC on Showtime or the World Boxing Super Series, which is amazing for me. So not just about the money, but the opportunity to be in front of the audience that like boxing and show up my skills there will be a tremendous opportunity. That's what really I appreciate about this deal, not just the money. We're going to go into that and a whole lot more later on. First, uh, taking back to, and it, right now everybody knows about your fight against Joaquin Arrieta. We're going to get into that. Taking back to, your, to the fight September 21st, 2019, you versus Jaime Hernandez. Uh, first time out, you know, you're taking on a guy who has more wins than losses, a guy who had never been knocked down, never been even knocked out. You go in there and you give his first knockout loss. Uh, how big was that for you in terms of you would find, you know, when going through that fight, facing somebody who looked and went, okay, I'm not going to just roll over. I'm not going to be this guy who's intimidated by a first hard punch. How big was it, you know, beating a guy who, for all intents and purposes, he came to that fight to win. He, In his mind, he was going to win that fight, and you just steamrolled all over him. So, Armando, eh, vamos atrás a tu pelea cuando peleaste con Jaime Hernández. Y... Mm. Fue la primera vez que te enfrentaste a un tipo que, que tenía más peleas ganadas que perdidas. El tipo tenía nueve peleas ganadas, tres perdidas. Y él venía con una mentalidad de ganar. Eh, y tú terminas ganando la pelea y le das el primer nocao de su carrera. ¿Cómo, ¿Cómo te sentiste? ¿Qué tan grande para ti fue eso? ¿Cómo fue la pelea? Háblame de esa guerra. Pues sí, este, la verdad pues, pues me fue importante porque las personas... Los, la gente de por acá pensaba que la experiencia de Jaime iba a ponerse sobre mi juventud y la verdad pues supimos hacer una buena estrategia eh, con mi equipo y supimos este pues nosotros trabajamos bien en el gimnasio y llegamos fuerte a la pelea y creo que nada más fue fue cuestión de, de, de hacerlo arriba del ring y, y por eso este pues tuvimos la victoria pero pero este, pues fue, fue algo, algo bueno, una buena experiencia. So it was a tremendous experience for me because uh, he, he was an opponent with a decent record and has a lot, of, a lot of experience. So people around me thought it was a very, very tough war and that's what, was, what we did. Uh, in fact, we have a tremendous strategy and we plan to do a few months. We work hard in the gym, and that's what, how we get the fight. So we did a tremendous war, and I won by KO, and that made me feel very happy about it. My plans are, are working. It's funny, I'm watching clips of your fight here, especially against uh, Alexander Caballero-Azteca. One of the things I've noticed is your defense. You're not a guy who just standing bangs, you know, goes in like all the old days and just tries to bomb somebody out. One of the things I've noticed this year, constant movement. You're using your head, using your body. Guys really can't just look and go, okay, I'm going to hit him because there's no head movement. How much of that have you been working on the last, let's say, several fights? You know, the improvement of, you know, defense, the improvement of footwork, the improvement of just never letting your opponent be able to set up and 
hit your head because there's no, you know, it's basically just stuck on your body. So, Armando, vemos que eh, en la pelea con Rosales tuviste que usar bastante tu, tu defensa, mover tu cintura, mover tu cabeza y solo eh, hacer que, que el tipo no solamente te, pe te pegue fácilmente, sino que hacérsela difícil al tipo de no poderte pegar y también pues noquearlo. Eh, ¿tú, te, ¿Tú te sientes que eso te ha ayudado mucho, esa experiencia, que es lo que vas a seguir haciendo en el futuro o no? La, la pelea se refiere a la de Caballero Azteca, una en Cancún. Caballero Azteca, sí, correcto. Ah, sí. Este, pues... Pues este, sí, eh, realmente yo creo que siempre vamos a estar trabajando lo, lo que es este, la defensa y, y este, con, con ataque, ¿no? Siempre estar atacando también, pero sin, sin descuidar. Y, pero yo creo que vamos a, a sumar más cosas ahora que estamos con, con, con esta empresa y, y Mike Boreo también que nos va a ayudar ahí bastante yo creo y creo que podemos mejorar todavía más y vas a tener la oportunidad también de trabajar con Morel Morel, sí, no, no gran, gran experiencia yo creo que, que voy a poder ganar ahí y pues estamos para ir creciendo, ¿no? para ir sumando eh, experiencia y conocimiento para pues, ser campeones del mundo Ajá. so I don't like to be toes in my face. I like to keep it clean, but that's not what, what my main plan is in the fight. In the fight, my main plan is to destroy the opponent, to knock him out. So, but I always keep my defense uh, aware of everything because no opponent is soft. So uh, right now I feel confident that if I go to Minnesota, like I think, and I work with Jamal James and, Uh, Osvaldo Morel, I will add some uh, skills, some uh, improvement to my uh, style of fighting, and I think I will be ready to be world champion the next year. How frustrating has it been not being able to fight because of coronavirus? Because uh, I'm guessing you know this past January you were you know fresh off a big win. You were beating a guy who went. Toe to toe former champion Julio Cesar Chavez. You were had knocked out Joaquin Marietta. You're thinking, okay, I'm gonna fight three or four more times. How much has it been for you maddening that because of coronavirus, not just financially, but you know, momentum-wise, everything has been ground to a halt with you in your boxing career. Armando, ¿qué tan frustrante para usted fue no haber podido pelear en casi todo el año desde enero eh, y fuiste una guerra con, con Joaquín Murrieta eh, te tiró en el octavo asalto y después tú te paraste hiciste una gran pelea y dijiste seguramente voy a pelear dos, tres veces más este año y eh, me voy a solidificar como un eh, peleador más de, que, de talla mundial y no poder hacerlo, ¿cómo te, va, cómo te fue en el coronavirus? O sea, ¿Cómo te has sentido? Ajá. Sí, sí, pues yo creo que es un, poco, un poquito desesperante porque muchos problemas para conseguir una pelea y, y cuando sale este, pues el rival se, se enferma o, o surge uno que otro problema pero 
pero creemos y que todo pasa por algo y las oportunidades van llegando y todo todo en su momento. So it was very frustrating to have a to have another opportunity to to fight in the in the rest of the year. So you know it wasn't easy to find opponents that were ready to fight. Um, but I think everything happened for some reason, and, and I'm confident that my career is going to uh, move forward in this uh, deal that I did with Boxing Major League, White Boxing. If you just said, Eli, once again, we've got, it is none other than Armando Poro Resendez on the show, along with Aldo Mir of Boxing Major League and his, uh, his associate here. We are talking all things, of course, boxing. We're talking coronavirus. We're talking uh, his big wins. Uh, last few questions before I let you go because I know we're pressed for time here. How much has is, how much has the challenge for right now been not blowing up and weight, not getting fat, not getting, you know, sort of in bad habits? Because it could be easy. All of a sudden, you know, you take a week off of training, you eat some food. You take another week off of training. Oh, I'm just going to lie down and watch TV. I'm going to hang out with friends. And you start losing, you know, you start gaining weight, you start blowing up. How tough has it been, this whole ordeal, to make sure, okay, I'm going to focus on making weight. I'm going to focus on just staying within my, you know, within weight range. I'm going to focus on just training, keep working, and not just balloon up like a couch potato. Armando, ¿qué tan difícil fue mantenerse en forma en este tiempo del coronavirus de no agarrar peso, de no eh, estar, perder la forma física, ¿cómo hiciste para mantenerte eh, enfocado? Eh, pues creo que mis, mis objetivos son claros, son, mis metas son este, las tengo claras, sé perfectamente dónde quiero llegar, creo, no, no creo que se me haya hecho difícil, no se me hizo difícil mantenerme en actividad física en mi casa o en, en mi patio y y en patio de mi entrenador y siempre tratamos de, de mantenernos eh, este, en movimiento, activos un poco, este, quizás no con sparring y todo eso, pero, pero creo que eso es algo que, que nos afectó a todos, lo de, lo de sparring y eso, de, de, del contacto con otras personas, pero la verdad que todo, todo, todo depende de, de, de las ganas que le pongamos. I think uh, I have my goal uh, on my mind the whole time. So that's to be a world champion. And I was busy at my home with my trainer and we, we were working the whole time, working out at home. So I want to be world champion. That's what I repeat myself. And, and that's why I train every day. It wasn't hard for me because this is what I like. This is what I enjoy to do. And I'm always ready. Last question, but I guess an important question. Who is, who's been your role model? Like every fight ever is always a guy who you look up to and go, this is a guy who got me into boxing. This is a guy that I looked up to because I won't be him. Who was your boxing role model growing up? ¿Quién es el, el modelo a seguir para ti, el que te introdujo en el boxeo o la persona que tú quisieras ser como boxeador? ¿Quién es lo que te inspira? La, ¿Quién es esa, esa figura que te, que te inspira a ti a ser? Mm. Como de boxeadores y eso. Sí, como quién te gustaría ser. Ah, como Manny Pacquiao. Ajá. Como so, Manny Pacquiao. Ajá. Y, este, y también. ¿Por qué Manny Pacquiao? Ajá. 
Manny Pacquiao por su humildad, humildad y su sencillez. Y Ajá. pues, por, sí, por, y pues que un boxeador muy, muy bueno. Ok. So, I always watch Manny Pacquiao fights and that's the guy that inspired me to become a boxer. Uh, he come from the, from the very humble beginnings and uh, that's, he has almost the same history that I have, so I want to take <clears throat> my family out of the uh, life that they have. I want to give them better opportunities and that's the kind of boxer that I would like to become. So like Manny Pacquiao. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, I am telling you, this guy is going to be one of the next big stars in 2021. You just don't know him yet. I stress yet because we'll be fighting once again on January in 2021. I give you all the way from it is world class event entertainment, but boxing major league, and now Warriors boxing. I give you it is Armando Toro Resendez. Uh, Armando, before I let you go, where can the fans check you out at? Where is the Twitter page, Instagram, the website? Where can fans contact you at? Oye, Armando, antes de irnos, ¿cómo nos gustaría que te siguiéramos o te contactáramos? ¿Dónde sería tu Instagram, tu Twitter, tu Facebook? ¿Dónde estás más activo? ¿Y cómo te eh, en mi Instagram y en Facebook. Okay. ¿Y cuál sería tu Instagram o Facebook? Uh, mi, mi Instagram es, es armando.resendis15. So I like, I'm very active on Instagram and my nickname is uh, Armando that present this 15. So I will be attending you guys at whole time there. So I'm always busy on my uh, Instagram. But you can follow me through Facebook as well. Armando Resendez, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we are proud to have him on the show. We come back. We got a whole lot more here only on it is... Last call. Last call to the alcohol only on. It is Blue Wire Hustle Network. Stay tuned for more great action coming up. Welcome back, everyone, to its last call. Last call that the alcohol only on. Last on it is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And join me on the line, this man here, he will be fighting once again. It will be all the way December 5th. It's UFC Fight Night. He'll be taking on Ilya Tapuria in his second UFC fight this, this time around. Well, when you've gone through him, you know, his journey makes, you know, Ulysses' journey, the Odyssey, look like peanuts. I give you, once again, all the way from Dallas, Texas, and Fortis MMA. I give you Leach himself. I give you Damon Jackson. Now, Damon, take us back to just after that win against Mursad Bektik. Uh, after everything that you had gone through, everything that you had to overcome, how, when did it hit that you actually got your first UFC victory and that you did it. You what you basically got back to the big time after all these years. Yeah, I man, it was uh, the whole thing was kind of kind of crazy, and the, how everything went down with uh, no crowd, no audience, and stuff like that. So it was uh, it almost was like it it felt like a local like small show. You know, it was like at first it was kind of weird, and then uh, you know, but really whenever. 
they called me. I just was like blown away that, you know, that Sean needed me to step in. And it was the fight that I wanted like a month before that. And it was just the whole thing. It was pretty cool, man. It was, uh, it was definitely hard to believe though that, um, I got in like that and that it, that it went down. I got the win. So it's, uh, it's still something that, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy whenever I get my next contract and, uh, and I'll stay in for a while and, you know, and pull off, a, you know, three or four more wins. And it's just, uh, it's nice to be uh, um, where I felt like, you know, I've, I deserve to be here. So it's nice to be back. Well, even this fight, I mean, he's better than anybody you face, you could argue. I mean, he's a better fighter than Yancy Medeiros. He's a better fighter than Kevin Aguilar, than Nate Jennerman, Molita Kabilalo. This is a guy who at one point, you know, a lot of people said he's a future, you know, UFC champion. So, what was that like beating him, beating a guy with your style, which is submission wrestling, submission grappling, and catching him in a guillotine choke and getting that first UFC victory? Yeah, no, that was uh, – it was nice to, like, beat him at something that he's he's good at, you know. And if you were to ask – it's like you ask all the fans and you ask people that, that watch it all the time, you would – you know, people would think that I was, like, like kind of an underdog unless I had a full camp. But if I would have had a full camp, uh, I think people would have been – it would have been pretty equal. So it wouldn't have been uh, too crazy for me to get that sub. And that's what – you know, I just – it's something that I've been doing. I've been wrestling since uh, 2000. I've been doing jiu-jitsu since 2007. And uh, so to go out there and fight someone that uh, that has that, you know, that huge name and, you know, is coming with all that, you know, all that fight, you know, because he, he needs to win, you know, because he was on, the, you know, that two-fight losing streak. But that – if you look at the guys that he lost to, I mean, it's like he's losing to killers. It's not like he's losing to some chumps. You know, he's a tough dude. So it was uh, – that was uh, – I think that was probably the biggest thing that I – I was happy that they didn't put me on the contender and make me fight someone that, you know, hadn't made it in, that I got to fight someone that – Oh, let's break down your new opponent. Um, be, you know, that like had be fighting someone that I thought was just like – you know. No, and I so I'm glad you brought that up because break down your new opponent. He's a guy who we don't know much about. He's nine zero. He's all the way from Europe. Uh, Ilya Georgia, more you know specifically, Ilya Topuria. What does he bring to the table? What kind of fighter is he? How tough is it fighting a guy? You basically are watching YouTube clips trying to figure out how good he is. Yeah, no, I mean, you definitely, it's hard to, it's hard to like, you know, track someone's move before they make it into like a bigger show. But I mean, overseas, this guy's, he's got some, um, he's got some pretty big wins, you know, over there. But it's just, uh, I think that um, he's definitely something that he's going to like slack in his experience level. And I think that that's something that can't be beat in a lot of ways. And it's, um, it's, you know, it's something that he has a strong style and what my background is in. So, if he wants to press the fight there, I feel totally comfortable. But I know he's a threat. The kid, he, he has some solid wrestling. That's always something that you got to look at. And then um, his, uh, he goes for finishes. That's what, uh, like, a lot of people do have good jiu-jitsu, but they don't really go for that finish uh, whenever a position is presented. And it looks like this kid is going for a finish every single time that he is grappling. So uh, that's something I'll definitely have to, you know, ramp up my – jiu-jitsu and my wrestling be ready to go there and um but this guy this guy is tough man he's not an o but we got 
we have some kids in our gym that are uh, that have never even had a fight and that are just killers. Like my little cousin, this kid has been training with me for about three, maybe four years, and he is a freaking killer. And when he makes his pro debut, he'll have four or five fights in one year. Like it'll be one of those things where he'll just you know come on the scene and take over. But it's just uh, it's a different different age now. You can't look at someone that's nine and zero and think that. Um, that they're not going to be tough because everybody's everybody's so well-rounded nowadays. Training, you know, everybody trains the right way. Everybody eats the right way. Um, you know, there's, it, it's not the, it's not the same as whenever I first got into it. So. Take us to Fortis MMA because I've heard a lot of good things about it from past guests. I know, but you know, it's one of those gyms which has been flying under the radar. Uh, how have they helped you out? Like, what are some of the biggest takeaways you've gotten from that from working with Fortis MMA? Well, I mean, um, my coach uh, Sayev, he's uh, he's been my like he's been my only really MMA coach like period like ever. I had a I had a coach before I moved to Dallas that was uh, strictly a jiu-jitsu guy only. He was a tenth planet guy, and then I, when I made the move to Dallas, it's because like there was no one there to train with. So coach has been there with me since the beginning. And um, to see Fortis grow into what it is, just freaking unbelievable. Because I was literally there, like, putting this gym together. And we're leaving a really good gym that we were at. was a great gym, you know. But it was uh, – they weren't geared up for MMA only. And that's what we wanted. So it was kind of crazy to leave that and to go over there and start from scratch. And uh, now we have – uh, I think we have 17 guys in the UFC. We have we have fights like almost every weekend. Uh, there's, you know, we have people making big moves now. You know, we, you know, we got Jeff Neal, Uriah Hall, Miles Johns coming off a win. Uriah Hall is coming off Anderson Silva win. Uh, Jeff Neal is going to be, I guarantee you right now, I'll tell you that he'll be a he'll be the welterweight champion one day. And uh, to see the gym grow from, from nothing to that is just freaking unbelievable. And uh, they've done, I mean, it's done everything for me. I've grown up with a lot of the big names that are in the gym. Uh, I've just kind of grown up with them as a fighter, just getting to train with them uh, in the beginning. So it's nice to um, have everybody there that was there when we started. So, How much does it mean for you that you're helping all these guys? I mean, because – as we said, we've talked before, you know, you got into the UFC, you got cut for some pretty crappy reasons. You've had to bounce back. You've had to struggle. You've had to prove to people that you belong. And this last win, you've proven that. How much yeah. do you enjoy the fact also that you're one of the guys that the people in the gym look up to, that because of you, all this is happening with Fortis MMA? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that uh, it's um, it's a really important role to, in every team to have, you know, those veterans that have been around for a while. And I and I never really thought of myself like that, but it's just uh, I do have a lot of people that hit me up and, and uh, t- they ask me questions at practice, and it's uh, it's really cool to help people out because I I'll show someone a single leg and they've never you know did it that way or whatever it was, and it's just uh, it's cool to like add that in because I can pull some from everyone that comes in too, so. I still – people don't understand that either. Like, I'm still pulling stuff from people that come in the gym their first week if they're there, and I'll be, you know, working with them, and I get stuff from that too. So, it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's just a part of being on the team. It's just uh, – it's really cool to be uh, one of the guys that are up there. But, uh, 
you know, always learning too myself. If you're just tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we've got it's none other than Damon Jackson here on the show. We're talking all things, of course, his return to the UFC. We're talking his big win. We're talking uh, Fortis MMA. Let's talk about the, the biggest question. Why did you keep doing this? I mean, there's a lot of people after what you went through where you get cut by the UFC. You don't even get really two fights or two full fights here. You basically get a loss to Yancey Materials, uh, then a no contest because Ronnie Jason is basically popped, and then a draw versus Levon Makashi here. You're gone. I mean, why? But when you, what made you keep doing this and going? You know what? I still believe. I still can do it. I still am not giving up on my dream. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely challenging for sure. It's just that uh, I set out to do this goal. Whenever, whenever I first started wrestling, I was I wrestled like my seventh and uh, eighth grade year. I wrestled just to wrestle, and then whenever the Ultimate Fighter came out, um, then I then I started wrestling to get to the UFC. So it's been a goal that I've been chasing, um, I mean, since I was, like, I would say in ninth grade, my freshman year of high school is when I was, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be a common state champion just so I can go to college and be an All-American, just so I can get in the UFC. And, and that was, like, those were literally goals that I set in, uh, you know, my freshman year of high school. So to, to let off on it whenever I was, uh, you know, it definitely there's a lot of struggle for sure, but to let off on it right there is just, like, it wasn't really an option, not even at all. And, um, you know, I, whenever I first started fighting, I just had my oldest daughter. So, uh, didn't even realize that the other day. Like, she's, you know, it's like she's, she's been alive, which is uh, something to, so I was so close, you know, I was on a couple, a couple of different winning streaks. I was, you know, so close to, um, to making it back a, a couple of times. And uh, I had a three-fight win streak, and I had a, or I had a five-fight winning streak, and then I had a three-fight win streak. And it was just uh, to make it back, uh, it was definitely something I set out to be, and I would would never have given up on it. You know, I would have been very unhappy if I wouldn't have made my way back. It takes a special person to do what you did in terms of keeping the dream for going forward. Because we talked about here, you know, when you're going on to the regional circuit, the money's not there. It's not like you're pulling in $10,000, $20,000 per fight. You may be lucky if you get $1,000. You may be lucky if you even sometimes get paid. And, you know, when you're fighting the LFA, it's a good little, it's a good organization, but it's not the UFC money. It's not like, you know, you're, you have a, you know, ability to just become a professional fighter. You're you're a a fighter and you also have a full-time job. So, how tough was it all these years, you know, keeping the dream alive? And, oh, by the way, you have a nine-to-five job. Oh, by the way, you're a full-time father. Oh, by the way, you're a full-time husband as well. No, I mean, that's, what, that's just, like, what I'm saying. Like, it's just, like, it was killer for sure. It was uh, a lot of times where I was really discouraged and, like, my family and my friends would uh, be discouraged because it's, like, you know, like, you see all the sacrifice for me and you can say like, you can praise me for that. But like, I have my wife and my kids sacrificing too all the time with, uh, you know, me missing things or me not being there to like, you know, pick them up or to take them somewhere to do things like that. So you're talking about a whole support system that I have. And I think that that's why a lot of people don't make it back 
because they don't have the same uh, support system that I, that I have. And uh, so it's, uh, it, you know, like I made it back for, for a lot of reasons. And uh, I think that one of the biggest reasons is uh, the, the people that I, I have surrounded myself by and that, um, that have been there with me from the beginning. It's, uh, I have a really good setup and, you know, I couldn't trade anything, couldn't ask for anything more from everyone that's around me. It all comes back once again. It's December 5th, UFC Fight Night. You, Ilya Teporia, as you said before, it, you're back. You got your first win. Now it gets tougher. Now you, now each with each fight, you get better opponents here. How much of this still for you is all just gravy because you've gone through bigger challenges. You've gone through having to get cut by the UFC and come back. You've, you've gone through a challenge of having to keep winning on the amateur circuit while you're working a full-time job and doing this. How much of all this for you is just a new beginning and, as you said, gravy? No, I mean, that's exactly it. It's just like that's – it's like uh, – um, I, I mean, like it's like running a race. I don't know if you've ever ran a race before. Just that feeling of like passing the finish line is like – it's just unbelievable to get to where uh, I can see the finish line kind of thing where I know – I know that when I'm done with my career, I'll be um, a lot, lot more happy than I would have been if I didn't make it back. And to, um, to have it come in on a, on a big fight like that and to get the win that I knew I deserved. I knew I, I wanted one of those fights, but you can't come into the UFC and just call out the number one guy. Like, that's ridiculous. You would look stupid. So it's like to, um, to come in when they needed me to step in on a big thing like that and, they, and then to get that win and, and then to get the finish um it's like uh that all that combination is just it's really really surreal and it's really hard to kind of um you know break it break everything down and like you know give that perfect answer but it's just something that's kind of unbelievable that i made it back and that i'm getting another fight and i and i have you know three more on my contract and it's just uh it's cool to be back and you know i just i'm happy to be here man and i'll be fighting hard every single fight and it will never be uh just me laying on someone, you know, I've evolved a lot of my striking and I, and I can't wait to, uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to make myself, I'm not going to force anything, but I can't wait to kind of showcase some of the stuff I've been working on and just, uh, you know, I've been evolving for sure. I haven't just been taking my time off. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, we are proud to have on the show fighting December 5th at UFC Fight Night. I give you, it's none other than the leech himself. I give you Damon Jackson. Now, Damon, before I let you go, where can the fans check you out at? Where is the Twitter page, Instagram, the website? Where can fans hit you up at? Dude, <laughs> you must not have seen my interviews post by. I don't have any uh, any social media. <laughs> I actually uh, I deleted everything about a year ago, and it's been like one of the best moves I've made, man. One of the biggest moves I've made is deleting that. And uh, it's just such a <laughs> it's such a crazy crazy time on there. And um, to get rid of it, it was a uh, it was pretty good for me and my family and just uh, my free time. And, uh, it's just, uh, it's good. You know, I bet I actually dropped everything. So you guys will just have to watch me. I'll be, I'm going to try to stay busy. I talked to Sean. I told him that uh, I want to fight every time I get a chance. And uh, that's why he's like, he's won someone to get on this car. And I'm like, I'm ready to go, you know. So I told him December and I told him February, and whatever else, you know, whatever he needs. So I'll be busy out there. You'll have to watch me on TV, I guess. Well, I can't, you know, I'll say this. He's one of the smartest guests we've had so far. I wish I could follow his example, but I can't. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I'm proud to have once again on the show, Damon Jackson. Uh, we come back. We got a whole lot more here, only on its last call. Last call with the alcohol, only on it is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Stay tuned for more great action, ladies and gentlemen. back everyone to its last call last call with the alcohol only on the blue wire hustle network and now join me on the line this man here he will be fighting once again but this time it's for a much bigger game we'll be taking on maddie korborev in a huge super middleweight fight well as he said he feels stronger more refreshed a lot of things going on here with him and well he's ready to take the big plunge I give you once yes. again all the way from Revere, Massachusetts. I give you it is none other than Ronald Ellis. Uh, Ronald, let's start off here with you, Matty Korborov. Uh, you've won these fights. This is a big fight here. Uh, how excited are you about getting a guy that if you win, you're in title contention? Um, um, you know, that's what we do it for. I felt like I've been fighting for a while, for a long time, and it's a long time coming. I've been grinding, and it's a middleweight fight. Uh, I was a super middleweight. This is at 160. This is my second fight at 160. All right, so we talked about earlier about you going to 160. Yes. So it's now official. This is going to be for good. It's no longer super middleweight. It's middleweight now or bust. Yeah, yep, middleweight. That's where we stick them from now on. I'm the bigger guy for once, you know? I love it there. I feel stronger, you know, just work a little bit harder, make the weight, and get it get it on. So, all right, so for this fight, then, let's talk about here. You're, you're, you'll be the bigger guy. You're 5'10". You have a 77-inch reach. Uh, Matty Korborev has a, a little bit of a, has a shorter reach. He's seven inches shorter lengthwise. How much of this for you is just, all right, I stay from the outside. Keep, you know, don't let him get in. Don't let him just bob and weave. How much of this fight for you is about sticking to a game plan and being basically patient for as long as you need to be? Uh, you know, that's, you know, that's always in the back of my mind. But at the end of the day, I'm a fighter and I fight good on the inside. If they want to bring it on the inside, we could, we could get that too. Uh, and he's a lefty. So I'm not really going to try to stay outside and box. I can, you know, because of the reach. But I want to get in there and fight. I want to make a statement. He's a, he is a crafty guy. I mean, you look at his fights, and there's a lot of people who argue he should have won the Charlo fight. There were a lot of media people who even had him winning that fight. He's getting guys like Chris Eubank fits. He's beating guys like Jose... Who's Contigua? He he knows how to find a box. He knows how to make people look bad here. How much for you is as we said? I know you like being a brawler, but how much do you and your team sit there and go? We're going to be patient with him because he can just lure us into a trap, and with his funky style, with his you know vast amateur skills, he can make me look stupid. He can get me into just chasing him and throwing big shots. 
Yep. Yeah, you know, that that comes into part. But if you cut off the ring and just do what you got to do, as long as my hands is moving, you know, and, and if I do stay outside, it's going to, hey, it's all for the crowd. It's boxing, you know. It's, I'm a fan. I like try to be a fan-friendly fighter. So, you know, he really sits, he, I think he sits back and he sits on the counter like he did with Charlo and all them. He's really, like you said, crafty. But if my hands is moving in, my I got a high output. I'm always throwing punches. So I'm going to force him to keep busy and I might set traps for him, you know. I understand but he been through wars. He been, he been on his game. He fought a million times. It's my turn. You know what I'm saying? So we just gotta put the gloves on and see what happens on the 28th. You know, I'm coming to fight. Hopefully, he's in the best shape of his life, and we're gonna get it on. Take us back to your last fight. It was December 19th. Sorry, December 7th, 2019. For me, it's a long time ago. That's the last time we were able to actually go to fights, but. You, Emmanuel Lean, it was Majority Decision. It was a fight which I know you and I talked about how this is going to be a big step up because you were going down to middleweight. What went right? Yep. Did anything go wrong? And afterwards, how were you feeling making that cut and fighting a full 12 rounds? It felt great. It felt I was a bigger guy, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I wasn't getting pushed back. Matt, you know, Matt, Matt Corbaugh fought a lean. They fought to a draw, which, you know, everybody thought he won that one too. But with that fight, it was a majority decision. It could have been unanimous. I felt like I blew him out. It was, I was relaxed, stayed outside. He didn't try to walk me down. When he fought Matt, he was really coming in, trying to, you know, really walk him down. When he fought me, he was trying to stay outside and, you know, avoid getting hit so much. So, you know, styles make fights. And I think I got the perfect style for Matt. And but going back to that, I felt great. Tim, you know, at 160, I just felt like the bigger guy. And it's, I can't, I can't explain it, man. It's that's where I needed to be. I know that you know you you feel better because you are the bigger guy. Was there nervous going into that fight in terms of just the unknown of all right? I'm now at 160. These guys are quicker. They can move faster here. This is my first cut. I don't know what's going to happen, you know, once I get in the deep rounds. I mean, it's great in theory when you're in camp. We've seen every guy do it from, you know, guys like Roy Jones Jr. coming down from heavyweight back down to light heavyweight. Chris Bird making a jump all the way to 160, 68 because he said he felt better. But yet, then the legs go, the endurance goes because you've cut too much. Yeah. Were you worried going into that fight that that might happen? But all of a sudden, you know, you might get tired because you no longer have that extra body fat, extra muscle, extra, you know, weight that you used to carry. Now I felt like, I felel like I brought the weight down perfectly. And usually I weigh in 166 anyways, you know, around there. So I'm never really 68 on the dot. And then I, I don't blow up that much the next day. So I felt like 60, I was just grinding a little bit harder and it would have been a better fit for me. But with that being said, I, I felt strong. I felt great. I felt like... I knew I, I knew I could have handled it. I'm not the slowest guy at 168. If anything, I'm so I'm faster than a lot of people think. So I felt like it was a perfect fit. I had the perfect sparring. I was sparring fast guys, bigger guys, mixing it up. So I felt like I should have did this a long time ago. It's we're gonna go back to all these fights a bit. Take us back to the last 12 months almost. Or you can say, yeah, 12 months almost now. How yep. tough has it been? Because you were planning for December 7th to be a launching pad. You're going to be fighting a lot more. You were going to be, you know, active this year. 
And then coronavirus hit, and everything got literally put on uh, the slow track. For you, how tough was it where you can't fight, you're not making money because you're not fighting, and everything is literally just at a standstill, mostly due to a disease which the entire country has been held hostage under? Yeah. Yeah, see, with that being said, um, I felt everybody's going through it. So it's, it wasn't just me. So, you know, but it did suck because I, I closed out last year with a bit, with a good fight, a big win. And like you said, I was ready. I was like, Oh man, I'm probably going to be fighting three times next year. Yeah. It's on. And now it's a damn near a, a year later and I'm now fighting, but uh, it has been hard, but as long as you stayed in the gym, I've been before the virus hit, what was it around March? I was in camp. I was doing good. I was trying to get a fight in March 28th. That shut down. Um, I just been trying to stay busy, man. Busy as staying in the gym, not doing too much on so peak too early, but just, you know, trying to pick it up. My little brother just fought. So now I like, got a little boost and I'm ready to go, man. Just eager to get it on. It's been a while. How tough is it for you? How tough was the challenge when it's April, it's May? You don't have a fight yet. And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, well, I want to have a pizza. Well, I want to have a couple beers. And then, you know, a couple beers and all that, you see how it goes. You start ballooning up to 200 pounds. You're watching Netflix. I mean, how, how tough was it <laughs> keeping the, the literally the strictness when you're looking going, okay, I have no fight. I'm bored. There's nothing to do. I can't go out. I can't go to the gym. The gym's locked down. I, Damon, I want to just, you know, veg out, watch Netflix, watch TV and just eat. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You know, I had a, I had a kid over in um, August. So, you know, it, it got, the, it got a little carried away, but coach lives right around the corner and he's always on my ass. Like, so, you know, he always making me go running no matter what. So I always stayed in somewhat of shape. I never really just cut it cold Turkey and just sat on the couch and, you know, I love being active. You know, I'm always outside with my daughter running around and I ride bikes all day. Uh, so, yeah, it wasn't too hard for me, but it just sucked with the sparring and not being able to go to the gym, not be able to be around people. You know, it, it, but like like I said, I ain't the only one that been through it. Everybody had to go through it. So I think I maintained okay. If you're just tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we've got it is none other than Ronald Els here on the show. We're talking all things, of course, his fight with Maddie Korborev. We're talking big things coming up here on Showtime. We're talking coronavirus, family. How much easier have the last couple months gotten now that you have a date, now that there's something to shoot for? Because as you said, you know, you, there was always a, well, it's going to happen on the corner. And I know that you and Ken Shear, Rachel Charles, they try to keep the, you know, the, the momentum. They try to keep the positivity. And it gets tough when they keep talking about this and it doesn't happen. Now there's something happening. Now that there is, you know, tr traction going on, it seems, with you, the PBC, and Showtime, is it easier now doing the work and training camp because there's now, you know, there's tangible proof. Things are happening. This is now a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, right when we got the sign, right when that contract came in, it's like, okay, it's real motivation. Yeah, kick right in. It's it's go time. You know, we're built for this. We gotta adjust, and it's it's time to go. Can't complain over, can't cry over spilled milk. It's time to work. 
I'm, I'm looking at the ratings here, and the road at middleweight goes through one man. That's Jamal Charlo, and he is right now become just an incredible beast. He's a guy who has come in there, beaten Sergey Devyanchenkov, he beat Matty Corbera, beat Dennis Hogan. You know, some of these guys you might not, you know, think Molly of, but he's gone out there and taking care of business. And he is a guy who is big, hits like a mule, and he's a pretty, you know, fluid boxer. How much yeah. of these camps are about that? How much of these camps are you and your team going, okay, we got to start focusing on Charlo. We're not sure about Canelo. He might be going to 168. Uh, Golovkin's at the zone. Yeah, you know, Murata's top rank. Charlo's the man. That's the guy that you, the team is looking at going long-term. we got to focus on him. Yes, yes, you're absolutely right. We always look at the bigger picture. And and like you said earlier on the show, you said everybody thought, a lot of people thought Korobov won the fight with Jamal Charlo. So that's in, that goes, that plays in my head that I got to go out there and do way more and really blow this guy out. So then, hey, you can't overlook me. And then they'll start seeing, you know, a little bit of comparison and, that the fight has to happen. So it's always one fight at a time. So I got to really do my job this fight to show that I belong with all these guys. And of course, Charlo, you know, he's a man right now at the weight class. You know, you can't shy away from it, but I would love that fight. But one fight at a time, we're going to take care of Korobov. Then we can talk about that right after that. As you mentioned before, it's in a lot of ways, this will be your toughest fight because you're taking on a guy, Matty Korobov, who He's done it all in a lot of ways. He is 28 and 3 and 1. That's just a pro record. Then you, del- you d- dig into the amateur background. You dig into the pedigree. He's been in these wars. He's taken on the Andy Lees, the Jose Uzcantigues, Chris Eubanks, Jamal Charlos. And the Eubank fight was a weird one. He got knocked out, but it was more injury rather than, you know, yeah. pain. Yes. How tough is it preparing for a guy who just knows more than you. He's been in there. He sees it. He does it. How tough is it, you know, getting, you know, training for all those little tactics, experience, and sort of, you know, traps that he knows so well and you're still trying to figure out? Uh, we're all human, you know. Everybody wears and tears. You know, he'd been in those wars. He had those amateur fights. He had all that. I felt like I'm fresh blood. Like, don't get me wrong. I've been boxing forever. I learned... I've been in thousand camps. I've been sparring with the greatest and all that. So it's just time for, you know, your body wears and tears. And it's just my time. I just got to go prove a point. I try not to think of that. You know, at the end of the day, it's fighting. You know, I just want to go in there and do my thing. I wish I could fight tomorrow, man. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, we are proud to have on the show. It's none other than... A guy who plans to make his mark now. It's 160 pounds, no longer 168. I give you it's Ronald Ellis. Uh, Ron, before I let you go, where can the fans check you out at? Where is the Twitter page, Instagram, the website? Uh, yep. And who are the sponsors going to be for this fight coming up? Let me see. Um, let me start off my Instagram, my Twitter. It's Rev Ron, R E V R O N 89. Facebook, Ronald Ellis. And uh, what was the other question? It's just. Yeah, who are the sponsors going to be for this fight coming up? To the sponsors? Yes. Uh, I got uh, a couple. I got I got Rude. I got Voodoo Company. And, uh, you know, of course, I got shares. And that's about it, you know. 
If there's more out there, tell me to contact me. And we are back once again, only on his last call. Last call of the alcohol, only on it's the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And join and well, we had a wild time this week. Uh wanna thank some of my wonderful guests today. We had Armando Resendiez, a, a top young Mexican fighter. I'm looking forward to seeing him in action. When Warriors Boxing and the PBC gets involved, you know something special with this kid. They don't just sign anybody. They only go for the top echelon of fighters. I'm looking forward to seeing him in action. Plus, uh, the leech is back. That's right. It's He came back from a dead. A lot of people wrote him off. But, well, he is back once again. And this time around, he is going to be fighting December 5th. Looking forward to seeing Damon Jackson in action. Plus, it was great to talk with one of our Massachusetts own. Ronald Ellis will be fighting on, it's now December 12th. They've been moving this card like crazy. If you if you haven't been following the news, which a lot of us don't, his card has now been moved to December 12th. It's going to be only on Showtime versus Matty Korborev. I'm looking forward to that fight because I think it's a big fight for Ronald Ellis, and we'll see what happens, but... Let's talk about last night's Bellator uh, 253. Yeah, we'll go into the, the undercard fights, but first, AJ Effin McKee. I mean, damn, that kid is badass. And you keep, and I, I hate to say kid because he's in his mid 20s, but he's 17 and 0 now. He has run rough shot over everybody who's faced him. And you thought Darian Caldwell would do, you know, a good job. I mean, Caldwell is. A big kid, you know, two-time, you know, All-American, NCAA wrestling champion. He's was dominant at bantamweight. He had the wrestling pedigree. You figure, okay, we're going to see what happens. We're going to see what happens when McKee goes rounds. We're going to see what happens when, you know, finally somebody, you know, isn't going to just stand there and let AJ just tee off on him. Boy, were we wrong. I mean, he and it wasn't just he beat him. It wasn't just he submitted him. He submitted him with something that is not even, you know, a common move. It's not like he caught him in an arm bar. It's not like he even caught him in, you know, a guillotine choke, something like that where you're going, all right, well, that's not, you know, that's not pretty smart of you, but hey, what can you do? He got him in a shoulder crank, which is so damn tough to do because that takes a lot of power. That takes a lot of, you know, thinking. That takes a lot of just, you get him in the right place, to, you know, the right hold. It's And it's not a common move. It's not one of these moves you teach because it's so damn tough to do. It's, you know, you think of it, it's, un, it's an unthinkable move because you usually won't get a guy in that hold. And what he did was he basically trapped ahead, got the shoulder, Applied pressure, figure for the body so that Caldwell couldn't move up and sort of, you know, take pressure off of it. And he put enough pressure and torque on that shoulder where for Caldwell, it was either you tap or that shoulder basically comes out of a socket. I mean, and you so you sit there and you go with A.J. McKee. He is on another pl- platform. He is just... Uh, I'll take him over anybody the UFC has. And, I, and I'm a big Max Holloway fan. I don't think Max has the ground chops to hold off McKee. I don't think he has the wrestling to do it. And no, a lot of people on, on Alexander Volkanski here, but how do you beat somebody like McKee who 
you look at what he does, and he's just been mowing people down like it's cutting the grass. And we're talking good fighters. Like, Georgie Karhakian is a decent fighter. He knocked him out with basically just a, a short power left hook. You know, Derek Campos, he just toyed with until he got into a triangle armbar. Uh, Pat Curran had his way with. Uh, John Teixeira, knockout in the, in the first round. And John Teixeira was, at the time, 21-3-2. Had never been stopped. Never been dropped. I mean, this is the same Teixeira who lost a split decision to Daniel Weichel. You know, lost a close name decision to Pat Curran. You know. And, as I said, A.J. McKee just went through him like a you know, hot knife through butter. I don't know what you can do. I mean, I, th- I think the main event's going to be fantastic here between McKee versus the winner of Pitbull versus Manuel Sanchez. But, damn, that night, that, that belonged to A.J. McKee. He was just on the planet. Overall, there was a good little card. I, I'd say that when people say it was great, not really. And it wasn't anybody's fault. Just Joy Davis, you know, showed why he is just that damn good of a prospect. Uh, Bobby Lee was tough as a $2 steak. And yet, once again, he had no he had no answer. Just no answer for Joey Davis' takedowns or any of his striking. I mean, it was just, it was, you were watching a guy fighting to survive. And kudos to Bobby Lee. He didn't give up. But as I said, Joey Davis just basically ragdolled him for three rounds. Jason Jackson versus Benson Henderson. Uh, I don't know where Benson goes from here. I think he's not a welterweight, and we saw that. And this is why weight classes were created, because I still think Benson Henderson is a talented fighter, but when he gets past 155, he just doesn't have it. And look, Jason Jackson is not a great wrestler. He's not great defensively, but he's just so much bigger. He hit so much harder than Benson that even when Benson got takedowns, he couldn't finish them or do much with them because Jackson was just so much huge of a fighter that he could literally shrug him off. And that's was telling that fight the first round where you're looking at Benson going, I just I don't see how you can do it when your takedowns getting stuffed. We'll see what happens going forward with him. We'll see what Bellator does because I don't even know if he's if he can justify his salary and everything and if he's worth it, but that's a different discussion for a different day. And last but not least, the best card of a night, I would say, Raphael Stoss versus Keith Lee. Keith Lee is a good fight. We had both of them on the show. Keith is still green. Raphael is a finished product in a lot of ways. And you saw that with the striking where Raphael was able to score a lot of times. Just It's a simple straight right hand. It's a simple jab, you know, leg kicks, you know, nothing spectacular, but he didn't need to because he knew that if he needed to get a takedown, he could get a takedown. If he needed to get, you know, he's so damn good in terms of scrambling and transitions that he was able to do that with Keith Lee. As I said, run this fight back when Keith Lee has maybe four or five more fights and is more, I'd say, comfortable with analyzing opponents better with transitioning, with figuring out, okay, plan A's not working. I go to go plan B quickly, and I got to have a plan C just in case here. I, you know, as, as I said, this was more of two talented fighters. One of them is just a little more talented, a lot more polished, and a lot more seasoned. And that, we sh- that fight showed. But 
I digress. Uh, we got, we got, we're running out of time, folks. Stay tuned for more great action here only on it is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Stay tuned. I'm out of here. Have a great weekend, everyone. I'll see you guys back on Monday here only on Last Call.